Hello and welcome to this week's episode of uh, chatting with a great GM, how to become a great GM, becoming a great GM, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is about us talking about things that are of interest or value to us. And the way that we decide what is of value or interest to us is we go to the YouTube channel, How to Be a Great GM, where we look at the community tab and we vote on a poll. And this week's poll, I have to say, was pretty hotly contested um, between running a murder and planning a heist. Um, pretty closely contested, but running a murder definitely, definitely came heads up. And so that's what we're going to be doing tonight. We are going to be planning a murder. How delightfully wonderful. Now, I don't think that planning a murder is an easy adventure type. It is definitely not an easy adventure type. We talk about the four primary adventures, thwarting, delivering, discovering, and collecting. But there are four minor adventures as well. Negotiation, rescue, heist, uh, rescue and heist are the same thing, sorry. Negotiation, rescue and heist, prison break, and then murder mystery. Those are the four minors. And the reason why they are the four minors is because Thwarting, delivering, discovering, and collecting, you can do in your sleep and you can make it up on the fly without any kind of planning whatsoever because they are driven by the players gaining new knowledge, which is coming up as they explore. The minor adventures all require you to have pre-planned information that the players are discovering as they go along. So you have to do a lot more work in order to make those adventure types actually work and actually resolve. Now, the problem that we have with a murder mystery typically is the fact that we need to have a single murderer that the players can actually catch. And that means the players have to work it out now, there's another major problem to running any of the four miners is that one of the players might be excited to do this and might really deep dive into the whole thing. The rest of them might not care or might be running characters that just don't make any sense to do any kind of investigation. So we need to make sure that we're going to be giving them a lot of different options, that we're going to be giving them different things that they can do so that it's not just everybody goes into the dining room to examine the dead body, because some of them might not be interested in that. So how do we do it? How do we plan a murder? Well, this is going to, this is literally taking us all the way back to uh, things that Agatha Christie mentioned when she was planning her murders. And Agatha Christie wrote a lot of murders, a lot of very complicated murders as well, which we're not going to aim for. We're not going to go for the Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie level of kind of uh, detective work. Why? Because our players, unless they are fans of the detection genre, are not going to get there. They just will not get there unless you have to handhold them so much that it basically becomes you solving your own mystery, which misses the point. So let's plan a very basic murder. Now, I have got a piece of paper in front of me. He lied. Uh, now I have a piece of paper in front of me and I will find a pen, I swear. 
Uh, and if you want to follow along, let's do it. Let's all make a murder together. All right, do you have your crayons ready? Sorry, I'm being facetious. Do you have your pen ready? I have a pen ready. So, the very first thing is we're going to keep this very, very simple. And you guys that are live in chat uh, on discord.gg forward slash greatgm, you are live in chat. Please uh, give me some input as we go along. So the first piece of input that I would like is for any any suggestions as to the species and the name of the person who has been murdered. So in chat, just throw in something there and uh, let's uh, let's see what comes up. All right. In the meantime, what I'm going to be writing down, a murder occurs, is the most important thing that you can do when trying to plan a murder. And that is your timeline. Your timeline is absolutely, absolutely important. So I'm going to say that this murder occurs, let's say, at 9 p.m., all right, that's the important thing. At 9 p.m., the murder occurs. Now, I already like some of the suggestions that are coming through. An elf who was actually a tiefling in disguise, a werewolf counselor, an owlin, Professor Hootsby, uh, Barbosa du Salvora. Uh, we got some cool names coming through. Paul Shipbreaker, Harbormaster of the Royal Capital. Uh, some great ideas here. Audacious stew stream, a halfling cook. Okay, I like that one. The very next one that pops up is the one that we're going to take, so make it a good one, if you please. A necromancer who pretended to kill himself. Eric von Roxalot, why do you complicate my life? Okay, so um, I said we were going to take a necromancer who only pretended to kill himself, and that's what we're going to take. All right. So our murder victim is a necromancer who pretends to kill himself. Now, there are already some very important things in there. Necromancer pretends to kill themselves. All right. Now, this is not exactly ideal for the murder uh, example because it's slightly more complicated. But you know what? Let's go with it. So, aha. Rydor has already thrown in a wonderful little thing that we need. The Alibi. No, not the Alibi. That's the Alibi, as you would pronounce it, if you were pronouncing it correctly. The Alibi. We don't need an Alibi. We need a motive. And that's exactly what Rydor has given us. And that motive is to escape the debt from the mob. Okay? So escape the debt from the mob. Escape from mob uh, the debt owed. Okay, we don't know what the debt is at the moment. That's not important. The motive is incredibly important. The motive is absolutely important. Right? This is a giant clue for our players. An absolute giant clue for our players. That this necromancer owed the mob a fortune. Okay? He owed the mob a fortune. And we're going to ramp it up. We're going to make it very obvious so that it's very, very easy here. So this necromancer, Lashwan Fleshweaver, which I think is an amazing name just in general. Uh, Lashwan Fleshweaver. Okay. It's a, I mean, it's, it's like if your family name is Fleshweaver, I feel like 
you are effectively predestined for this. But, you know, this is fantasy, and we get all of these things happening all the time. Thank you, Discord, for beeping at me. Um, anyway, right, so we have our motive to avoid the debt. So this murder occurs. Now, the necromancer is only pretending to kill himself. What does that mean to us? We have to unpack this entire thing first. We have to understand the goal of this murder. So if it was someone just trying to murder someone else, we still need to know their goal. Okay? In the case of the necromancer, the goal is for the mob to think they are dead. Now, if your goal is to make something public, to make something that people can see, okay, we need to stage that where someone can see it, where a large mass of people are going to be. We do, though, then need to ask ourselves another question. So we're going to make this murder public, all right? We're going to make this very, very public, outside in the courtyard. Absolutely great suggestion. It needs to be somewhere public. But there is a problem in that, and the necromancer will be able to foresee this problem straight away. What is the problem? The problem is, is that anybody who has any inkling of medicine needs to be convinced that the necromancer is dead. Now, magic aside, magic is a problem. Exactly. Already people are saying, well, what about speak with dead? Assuming 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons here. But there are lots and lots of systems where death is not necessarily the end. So someone already, the cheerful necromancer, who may or may not be related to this entire situation in the first place, right? What if the doctor is in on it and the doctor agrees to declare he is dead? Oh, what a pity. So the doctor is in on it. This is great. This is absolutely cool that the doctor is in on it. Okay, so that's going to solve the problem of is he actually dead? There is another problem, though, and uh, Zeitgeist, absolutely, you are referring to the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, twist where Sherlock Holmes pretends to kill himself after facing Moriarty. That was their twist on the Reichenbach Falls thing. Thank you, police outside. Um, I'm not really committing a murder. I haven't done it yet. You can't arrest me. Um, so they were going through this whole process as well. Ours is slightly different, though, hopefully, maybe. I mean, let's see. Maybe it won't be. Uh, it really, really should be. So we've now got this necromancer and we have the town doctor uh, who's in on it. In on it. We have the body problem. Now, I've been watching Stranger Things recently with my partner and we've just started season one. There was a body. Oh, yes, there was a body that needed to be get gotten rid of. Something along those lines. Okay. The body needed to be prevented from being seen too closely as well for various reasons. I'm not going to spoil those reasons. It has nothing to do with today's exercise. So what, what do we do with the necromancer's body? The crowd is going to see him die. The doctor is going to declare that he is definitely dead. Deader than dead. The crowd will see this dead body. Could it be the necromancer pretending to be dead? I feel like that would work for a little bit. But I also kind of feel like it might not carry all the way through. So I feel like 
what is a body to an average audience member, right? They don't really see very much. The face is the most important thing, I believe, when you are identifying someone. Unless the body has unique birthmarks or things like that, it's just a body. So the necromancer, I think, is going to be fairly, fairly capable of just finding a body, getting hold of a body, right? As would the town doctor, who's in on it anyway. And, you know, I assume he's in on it because the necromancer, uh, the necromancer is blackmailing him. Let's just add that as a reason. Okay, blackmailing him, right? So they have this other body, but they need to get rid of the face. That's that's the part that they need to get rid of. So this accident needs to remove the face of the necromancer. Because then what they can do is once the necromancer has collapsed dead and the doctor has put him in a box, a box with a false bottom allows the old body, which has been dead and also doesn't have a face, to be carried away and then they can be drawn and quartered and the mob can have their way. And the mob will be quite happy with it. In the meantime, our necromancer now has to obviously escape somehow right there has to be something that they can do um they they can do something with the body what this is doing is this is giving us the plan of the necromancer do you see that i'm only looking at it from the necromancer's point of view how do we make sure that the mob sees that i have died how do we make sure that when they bury the body there is a body and also if then uh, there are any spells that are being cast upon this body, the body might wake, uh, the, the body's spirit might come back and, and vaguely talk about death and dying and things like that. But oftentimes those spells are quite, quite vague. And I think it's one of these reasons. So what could they do to get rid of the face? What could they do to get rid of the face? Um, some suggestions in chat. Okay, so in the meantime, while chat comes up with that, 9 p.m., the murder occurs. So 9 p.m. is actually no longer an appropriate time. We want a full audience. We want a full audience. So we're actually going to change that, and we're going to make it happen at 10 a.m., okay? And I would say at 9.45 a.m. would be a speech to the mob, right? Saying, I have come here to pay back my debts, blah, 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 blah. Uh, something along those lines. 10 a.m., the murder occurs. 10.02 a.m., so two minutes later, the body is there. The doctor declares death, right? And 10.03 a.m., the wagon... And Coffin arrive. And 10.04 a.m. The false body is taken to grave. And Necromancer hides in wagon. And then at about 11.10 a.m., um, I'm just putting this down on a different line. 10 a.m. The necromancer uses wagon 
and leaves town. It seems very neat. The doctor only has to do this once. And then the doctor is let out. The necromancer is going to, oh, doctor, take the body, perform an autopsy, publicly destroy the body, do whatever you like with it. This is absolutely wonderful. Um, the body gets offloaded in the in the coffin with the false bottom. The necromancer slips into the bottom of the wagon and waits and then eventually rides out uh, later on. It could even be, instead of 10, 10 a.m., it could very well be at sort of um, 6 p.m. that night. A wagon leaves town, the very same wagon that has been used for the necromancer. So now we've got this list of times leading up to that. But the doctor doesn't want to be associated with this at all. The doctor needs to be very, very far away at the time of the murder so that it seems as if this was a complete and utter tragic accident. So I would say somewhere around the time frame of 9.50 a.m., the doctor uh, needs to do something public so that everyone knows that he's nowhere near or affiliated with the necromancer. Um, let's see. Uh, what can the doctor be doing um, whilst um, we're planning on their face to be disfigured? A frozen solid and cracked... I'm just looking at the options here. Uh, someone hit them with a blunt item and they fell and smashed the rest open. Uh, face is a symbol carved into it to make it look like the mob or maybe cultists did it. Uh, let's see. Um, anvil, piano, warhammer. Yeah, those all do run the risk of actually killing the uh, necromancer who they don't really want to. I do like the idea, and several people have suggested, that the Doctor is giving a lecture on leeches, because that's quite nice symbolism, right? Doctor giving lecture on leeches at 10.50 a.m. Right. Doctor couldn't possibly be involved. Um, so how do we disfigure the face of the necromancer in this murder that apparently happens? We do have the ability to cast magic and create zombies and things along those lines. But again, I'm not convinced that we really want to do it that way. Illusion, as was suggested, players might have some kind of illusion ability to see through illusions or something along those lines. Um, it has to be the necromancer. It really has to be the, the necromancer without a shadow of a doubt. Um... Right. So Hoverfrog has got an interesting idea. How about falling through a glass window? Glass isn't very good for the complexion, especially if that glass is made out of sugar. Then it really doesn't hurt very much. Hollywood's been using sugar to make glass objects for a very long time. And that's what when you get hit with a glass bottle, it's, it, it used to be made out of sugar water that had um, been allowed to crystallize. Um, so that could work, I guess, that um, something like that happens. Or possibly it's a hammer made out of glass. I'm not sure. Um, I do like the idea of uh, pushed, pushed through glass. Uh, well, they can't be pushed through a glass window because they are, are, are giving a public address, right? So 
what if, what if they have mind controlled someone to throw a giant glass ball at them, right? That person who's been mind controlled won't remember themselves throwing the glass ball. They may vaguely remember that at one point they were, were um, charmed, but I don't think anything like that really uh, would, would, would hold up too much. But it does give us clues. So let's say a charmed person throws a glass sphere at necromancer sphere is made of sugar right so we are getting there in terms of our timelines we are also charging ahead in terms of the time of this video so um this is all great stuff now it does apply whether you are planning a conventional murder or not writing out the plan of the murderer this is what we're doing, is we're going step by step, what would they do? So, then we go earlier in time. And we go, let's say, to about 8 a.m. Remember the murder, I beg your pardon, the murder is at 10, uh, Dr. Declares, uh, the murder is at 9, uh, uh, is at 10 a.m., sorry, the murder is at 10 a.m. And um, so the murder is at 10 a.m., uh, so, at 8 a.m., the necromancer uh, charms local to murder them, right? This is important that we write these things down. Uh, we need to, 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 to keep this in our heads. At 8.30 a.m., the... Uh, local thief, and I'm 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 speeding things up here, folks. Steals twenty pounds of sugar, and this could have been done the day before, but this is just to give you an example of what happens. Okay, they're going to steal the sugar. Why are they going to steal the sugar? Because the necromancer needs to make the ball the sphere of glass that's going to get thrown into his face. Now, some people have been suggesting to add a gas into that. I think that's a lovely idea, especially if the doctor could supply the necromancer with some kind of gas that will knock the necromancer out, a sleep gas, so that literally once the necromancer has been hit in the head, they will fall to the ground and appear to be dead. So I think that's a wonderful idea. So let's just say then at 8.45 a.m., the doctor delivers sleep gas to Necromancer. Great. Lovely. So we've now got this chain of events. Between 9.45 a.m. and uh, between 8.45 and 9.45, where the Necromancer is giving a speech, their plan starts to unfold. Nothing could possibly go wrong, go wrong, go wrong. Well, except that at about 9 a.m., the necromancer needs to give, necromancer gives the sugar ball to uh, our charmed person. But importantly, 
sets up an argument. It's a fake argument, but we need to set up this argument. All right. Now, I do see that some folks are starting to debate the spells that could work uh, here and there. And I do like what is being happened. Um, so this thrower scapegoat needs to be someone who would want the necromancer dead. Perhaps that would be a very, very complicated kind of story. Uh, an alternative is that someone is suggesting that it's going to be a great prank. I think that could work quite nicely, that the necromancer says this will um, head off the entire thing. As a matter of fact, looking at this necromancer's thought patterns, I would say that the necromancer would say to this person, um, well, if you throw it into my face, it'll look as if the mob has got their revenge, but they won't actually have got their revenge. Or they will have got their revenge. This is what I am prepared to suffer. So you throw it into my face and, and you'll be a hero and I will, will suffer some deep wounds. But when the necromancer appears to actually die, then this poor person is now stuck holding effectively a loaded gun. They threw it into the face. Yes, the necromancer told them that they could do it earlier on, but does that really matter? The necromancer is dead. So perhaps this is what we call our little problem. And our little problem usually comes in when we're looking at time. So in this chain of events, we've got a whole lot of things that we now have as clues to give to our player characters who can slowly start to thread things together. Why did the doctor did deliver something to the necromancer at 8.45 in the morning? That's odd. The necromancer and the doctor didn't seem to have a very good relationship, and yet the doctor did that. Why did a uh, thief steal 20 pounds of sugar? This doesn't seem to make much sense. And then why did the necromancer give a glass ball to this person who threw it, and the person who threw the glass ball realized that the glass ball was sticky? Once the necromancer died, it was very convenient that the doctor was nearby giving his lecture on leeches, except that the lecture on leeches was being given to commoners who didn't really know what was going on. Do you see what we now start to do? We now take each time entry and we start to give ourselves witnesses, people who saw these things happening. So someone saw the necromancer giving the, the ball to the person who then later threw it on. Why would the necromancer give someone the ball, the same ball that was then thrown into their face that then killed them? This, this doesn't seem to make sense. When you are trying to put together a murder mystery, you are trying to put together inconsistencies for the players to find. They have to find these inconsistencies because if they don't find any inconsistencies, well, then it's just a mob who threw a glass ball at a necromancer who then died. There's nothing there that makes anything suspicious. We have to get them suspicious. If it's a straight-up murder and they are at someone's house and someone murders the body, then they are still going to be looking at this timeline. They are going to be investigating everybody and looking for alibis, looking for motives. Now, we know the motive of the necromancer was that he owed a considerable amount of money to people in the town. That's information that we're going to give to the players as they go around talking to people. Oh, well, you know, he owed a fortune, an absolute fortune uh, to, uh, well, about seven of us. Well, any one of us would want to see him dead, but it was, you know, 
Billy who threw the sphere. Um, so the players go, okay, well, the necromancer owed them a lot of money. A wagon has been stolen. The carpenter might say, well, last last week, the doctor had me put in a double a double layer into his wagon. It was very, very odd. I don't know what it's for, but it had a hatch. Maybe it was trying to hide things. Oh, how big was the hatch? Uh, about six and a half foot by three foot, uh, basically the size of a coffin. So we can start to now deconstruct all of this. And we look at five clues per stage, per little thing. So the wagon with the false bottom. We need five clues for that wagon with the false bottom. The carpenter recalls that it was the doctor who asked for it. But the doctor was chatting to the necromancer just before the doctor came in and asked for it. Uh, the wagon had to be built out of a specific type of timber to reinforce the wheels because it was going to be carrying two bodies. Um, the wagon wheels themselves dig a deep trench into the road towards the graveyard. But coming out of the graveyard, the trench is not as deep, but it's still deeper than an, a completely empty wagon should be. Those little clues, that, remember we're putting five of them towards each step here, those little clues on their own don't mean anything. And remember, the players are not going to get all five of them. So even though you have the carpenter going, well, we built a false bottom, it was about human-sized, strangest thing ever, you know, um, you go, well, what does that mean? That doesn't give me anything. So you give them more clues. Perhaps the necromancer had a housekeeper who said, well, I certainly don't know, but all I know is Mr. Um, Fleshweaver, he comes to me early on in the morning and he says that I'm to prepare him a nice supper, but I'm to put it in a basket and to make sure that it doesn't leak. Well, I never. Well, I made him his dinner and he came promptly forward at 8.45 this morning before he then disappeared off. Why would he organize a dinner if, well, he doesn't know he's going to get murdered, so you could argue, well, you know, that was just him. But anyway, the idea is that you add in all of these clues, you start driving all this stuff. Every NPC that the players talk to should have some piece of information. And you can watch and look and say, well, no one has asked any questions about 945, which is the speech to the mob. What do we need to make sure they realize with that speech to the mob? Well, perhaps the necromancer was handing out flyers the day before. Perhaps someone is going to say to the PCs, It was damn strange. For months, we were banging on his door and harassing him whenever he snuck out about the place and then suddenly does this very public speech. Very unusual. And he hated public speaking. He... So, again, driving those inconsistencies so that the players kind of are writing these things down. And what happens if the players aren't writing down timelines? Well, it means that they're trying to solve this mystery based on the clues that you're giving. And they're hoping that one of them will just link in to the bigger story. And even the person who's been charmed or who volunteered to throw the sphere in the first place is going to say that he was being very kind and sweet, but most emphatic that I didn't get it wet, most emphatic that I didn't lick it or that I didn't drop it. Um, and why was it filled with sleeping gas? That may be the biggest clue that this whole thing is a sham in the first place. 
Where did the other body come from? Was it dug up? Was it someone who had wandered into town three days earlier? You put all of those things together, link them all together, but do you see how much, and not a huge amount, by the way, we've only spent about 32 minutes talking about this. We've got a murder mystery that the players can really sink their teeth into. Now, this is going to be slightly longer than my regular shows because I really want to finish this thought. The players who are not investigative, they might not have investigation as a skill or they might have poor uh, visual skills, whatever. What do you do with them? Well, quite frankly, you have the necromancer in this case hiring thugs who are going to go and have conversations with people asking questions. Those thugs are going to be violent thugs. There's going to be combat there. There is going to be all sorts of wonderful things that you're going to add in for the other player characters to do. This is also going to be compounded by the fact that some of the player characters might want to go and investigate that strange gas, or they might want to look into the body that was murdered. Now, if that body comes back as an animated corpse because the necromancer is worried that someone is going to find them out, and so, well, if the player characters destroy the corpse, they destroy the evidence, that could work beautifully as well. So you are thinking about all the different players, think about their different playing styles, what are they like, what don't they like, and then giving them in. Now, yes, there is a giant plot hole there. The necromancer is hiring thugs with money that they don't have because they're not paying back to the mob. Or they have vast amounts of wealth and they're just not giving it to the mob. How could we know that they have vast amounts of wealth? Well, when the party go to investigate their house, they discover that a lot of things of absolute value, which were hanging on the wall or in giant boxes, are no longer there, and no one's been to visit the house since the murder happened. So someone cleared out the house before the murder happened? There's another inconsistency, another opportunity for the players to realize that something is going wrong here, something is afoot, but they could also discover that the necromancer actually did have money. And uh, so there we are. Now, I don't know if this helps you, but certainly for me, putting in a what is the plan of the NPC, working out their plan, trying to cover all of the angles that their plan will, will cover, then working out a timeline of everything that they would have to have done to enact their plan, and then adding NPC witnesses for each of those stages and working out five clues for each of those stages, that puts me in a position where the players can basically go and do almost anything they like and still get some kind of definitive answer that remains congruous with the entire thing. And at the very end of it, if they don't figure out that the necromancer faked his own death and they just assume that he died in a strange accident and the body that's buried out in the graveyard is the true body, I'm absolutely fine with that because it gives me two different adventures. One, the townsfolk will thank the party for looking into it and making sure that everyone's safe and sound. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Two, that body that the necromancer used to hide his own escape with will rise up and will demand that the players bring justice to my slayer, for he still roams free and breathes the air that I no longer am allowed to breathe. Then that corpse sends him on a mission to go and hunt down the necromancer. That becomes a thwarting or a discovery adventure, and off we go. So that, in short, 
Orin Long, however you want to put it, is how I plan my murder mysteries. And hopefully it will inspire you somehow uh, or in some way to run your own. They are a lot of fun if you have the right players. That's it from me for this week. A slightly longer episode than usual. But sometimes when you plan a murder, things go wrong and you need to spend just a few more extra minutes uh, just finessing and cleaning up. So there we are. Right, folks, you have a fantastic week. And I will be back next week uh, in the usual time again. So uh, we'll see you then. And remember, the polls will go up sometime next week to vote on next week's topic. If you do have some suggestions, please feel free to drop them into the Discord chat right now or over the course of the week, and I'll add them to that poll. Until next time, thanks, everybody, and happy gaming.